With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Happy Cinco de Mayo. On this edition of Down to Earth, it is Tuesday, May 5th, 2020, and it is Cinco de Mayo. And I don't know about you, but I am ready. I would just give, I would give anything to have a virgin margarita right about now. I kid you not. I kid you not. I think we all deserve to put ourselves, pour ourselves a virgin drink. That's what I drink. I don't drink alcohol. And just make it with the pretty glasses and stuff. And just sit down somewhere and just chill for a minute. Don't you think? We will need to chill. We're going to have group therapy tomorrow night. But I'm just saying, while we are having group therapy, I think we all just need to sit and chill. What a day. I mean, yesterday, I think I had the day from hell. It's one of the, it's, that hasn't happened in a long, long time. And, you know, it's, I believe that humiliation, humiliation comes before elevation. Anytime you see you have a day when everybody's just ripping into you and everything is just going ask you and it just goes and goes and goes and goes till it gets to a peak, watch out. Something big is coming. And I kid you not, I think so many of us, I don't think the governor of the state of Michigan has been having good days lately. I mean, she's just getting lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit for people who claim that their constitutional right to go visit their grandpa across the state is, is something that they need to worry about. Meanwhile, meanwhile, in southeast Michigan, in Detroit in particular, the moneymaker for the state, people are dropping like flies. But who cares, right? Just who cares? Just continue to file your lawsuits and march on the state capitol, irrespective of how everybody feels. And you know what's ironic about this is that the people who are filing lawsuits claiming the governor violates their constitutional rights, here's the thing. The governor is white and they're white. You think she really started this emergency order to protect people in Detroit? you got to be thinking, you you, you got to be kidding me. No, she didn't. She recognized the data they gave her said that it was mostly in densely populated areas. In an effort to curb it from going to other parts of the state, she shut down the state so it wouldn't go to other parts of the state. That's the data. That's the fact. She just didn't want people traveling from southeast Michigan taking the virus from southeast Michigan into northern Michigan. So, And those are the, the same people are the ones marching on the Capitol and are the same people <laughs> who are filing lawsuits. She did it to protect you all. She didn't do it to protect anybody in Detroit. That was just a byproduct of it that she's happily coasting on, and that just came along with it so she can get, she would probably get a vice presidential nomination or appointment or something, whatever it is. But seriously, I mean, it's just the, the way it is. And today, Cinco de Mayo. And we can't go out and, hey, ho, and, you know, do stuff that we would normally do to lift the spirits and to lift the workers. I saw some pictures a couple of days ago of people in New York City going out and about in Central Park, and people all over the world are slowly coming out. It's like we were hibernating all winter, 
and people are slowly coming up. And I said to myself, that's kind of how I felt yesterday. The sun was shining. I even got a tan, y'all. The sun was shining a little too brightly for my taste, but hey, whatever. And people are saying, well, vitamin D is going to kill this. No, people in tropical countries are getting it. So I don't think that the sun is going to help the spread of this virus. Maybe it has in the past. I don't know, because I tend to think malaria and so on proliferated in, in, in tropical climates, right? So I don't know about that, but it's, it's left to be seen. I mean, people are going crazy. And the, the, the part about it is that hopefully we're getting out of it. Like, hopefully it's May now. So we recognize that we're still kind of in a semi-shutdown state. And you realize that it's going to be the end of May, and it's, then it's going to be, what, June. So the original predictors were right, that it's going to be July before we actually get to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Just maybe we get a chance to do the 4th of July, and then you know what we're all going to do? Guess. We're going to celebrate uh, Ash Wednesday. We're going to do... Uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day, we're going to do Easter, right? We're going to do Cinco de Mayo and everything else that we may just throw on some for good measure. And we're going to have one giant barbecue all over the country. Everybody everywhere is going to come out on their balconies for July 4th, throw up some stars and stripes in the air. And we're just going to say, hello, somebody. Hello, world. We're back. That's what I'd like to see. Because I kid you not. Oh, everybody have been talking there. Everybody has been going through something as a result of this. And you have to have a safe place where you can unload or offload and unpack the thoughts that you have. We all, all of us are, are having some sort of fear of the future. And I think some of these people filing lawsuits, it's in an effort. I haven't seen it in any other state but in Michigan. They're so litigious here. And they don't have a leg to stand on because the governor obviously wouldn't have called an emergency action if she didn't have the constitutional right to do so. So it kind of begs the question that people, there are some people in leadership who literally think before they talk or think before they act. So I don't believe she would have done it if she couldn't have done it. You see what I mean? She is, as a governor, and I think that's what makes the difference with politicians who know government and who know the law, who are lawyers in the first place, they know what rights they have and what actions they can take credibly under the law. They don't just go and say, oh, I'm just going to uh, tell some people they can't come to the state or tell people they can't go to another part of the state without knowing that they can actually do that so they don't get law, they don't get sued later on. That's just how, that's what govern, you know, having a, a knowledge of how government works. And that's why we all were supposed to learn civics in, in school. But I think they might have cut civics out of the curriculum and think it's irrelevant to know how the government works. They probably did. Knowing Republican lawmakers, they probably did. They think a lot of stuff is not necessary until it proves that it is necessary. It's kind of like giving you an apple to bite. They give you a slice of the apple and say, this is all you need. And then later on, you found that to actually get the, carrot, that get the stuff off your teeth like they thought, you have to eat the whole apple. See what I mean? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you, somebody is saying 75% of women in one Louisiana prison 
have actually contracted, test positive for COVID. Let me let, let me give you the full facts. You're not going to believe this one. Uh, I know it's shocking. When I read it, I quivered. But here's the story. A whopping 75% of 155 female inmates at a St. Gabriel, Louisiana prison. It's actually called LCW Hunt. It's in St. Gabriel, Louisiana Correctional Facility have tested positive for COVID-19. Despite those same inmates not exhibiting any symptoms of the virus. I'm coming back to that. That's important. They were asymptomatic. The results came after previous testing conducted at the facility resulted in more than three dozen inmates, some asymptomatic, some symptomatic, testing positive. So some exhibited symptoms, some didn't, but three dozen tested positive. They just went ahead, literally, after that and just decided to test everybody. Medical experts have yet to comment on this development, but it begs the question, why are so many asymptomatic jail and prison inmates consistently testing positive for the coronavirus? More importantly, how many more soon-to-be-released inmates have COVID-19 and just don't know it yet? This morning, I got an alert on my phone that two black mafia kingpins who have some ties to the Detroit area uh, are being released from prison today, one of whom is being released today in from, a, I think it's a Kentucky federal prison. I, 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 I perhaps lack a basic uh, understanding of how the prison systems work, that when you go to federal prisons, they put you in places all over the country because it's a federal crime, so they put you wherever, right? Whereas the state prison system is jails, those prisons are in state. But if it's a federal crime that you got convicted of, they put you anywhere, right? We all understand that. So these two uh, gentlemen who are brothers, uh, they're called a black mafia family. I didn't know such a thing existed, but thank you. I thought the mafia were just, you know, people on the street wearing buffs and so on. But hey, <laughs> right? They too are being released from jail. And a few weeks ago, we did a story about a prison facility in Columbus, Ohio, that was releasing all of its inmates from COVID-19. I'm the only person in the room, so I can blow my nose and so on. My hand sanitizes around here, right? So we're being responsible. Uh, so it begs the question, though, why are so many uh, prison inmates testing positive for COVID-19? I really want to know, because here in Wayne County, Michigan, we had a similar problem. Several weeks ago, I think it was in the middle of April, where they literally had to shut down the jail and 400 inmates in the jail were all sent home except for the hardcore people. You know, the people who commit murder and the people whom they deem are a danger to themselves, but they're more importantly a danger to you and I. Right, those people stayed. So the hardcore criminals, the felonies, they stayed in jail, but people who were in there for like driving under the influence or so on or other misdemeanor type crimes or situations, those were released. A number of those people tested positive. So they're released into the community and they go back into the community, right? They're probably under like wearing a tether or they have to report to their parole officer, you know, facing some sort of compliance measures. But the fact of the matter is they're released. And so when the prisoners came out, I mean, I even got called out on uh, Instagram because I talked about, I really, I replayed a video that was sent to me by people in a jail. The video was 
apparently making the rounds on social media, maybe because I hadn't said anything about it. Somebody sent me, sent it to me and said, you need to look at this. When I looked at it, the prisoners at the, in the Wayne County Jail were saying they never had, they weren't exposed to, they didn't have hand sanitizer, they didn't have masks. What they were using for masks were towels. The place had not been sanitized and prison inmates who had contracted the virus were infecting others by the close contact because jail, jail is not a luxury. I think it is because people have internet for free and they can watch Netflix and stuff. Basically, it's a vacation from life. But that's what I think. I think jail looks like it's free. I think people are enjoying themselves in jail. They don't have to worry about cooking a meal or they don't have to worry about commuting. They don't have to worry about paying a bills or planning for their future. Their future is taken care of. For the rest of their lives, they have somebody who will be making sure they eat and they have access to health care. They're doing better than you and I, right? That's how I look at it, right? But at the same time, though, we still have to look at why is the infection rate so high and there are no, there, I don't know, there are no answers. I've, I've tried to search to see what it is. A number of things became apparent, though, that I think you and I could consider. One is the close proximity. So in jail, there's no opportunity for social distancing. Uh, and typically, we were, they were, you know, six feet of social distancing is required. So I suppose that could explain why uh, uh, jail and prison inmates tend to be infected so much. I imagine that could be one thing. But on the other hand, it could also be that prisons are not renowned for their sanitation, right? Prisons have a, have a thing where people just simply do not get, you know, it's, they tell me that when you walk into a prison or jail, you can smell it. It has a smell because the toilets are not covered. Maybe they need to start looking into that. The toilets aren't covered. So when people use the toilet, they literally are using the toilet open air. So did anybody think that when you flush that thing, Everything is up in the air. So all kind of fecal matter is flying around in there all the time. So naturally, it's a breeding ground for infection all the time. Maybe a simple thing like putting toilet seats would, would, would solve that problem. I don't know. What do you think? You see what I'm saying? But it, prisons are notoriously a breeding ground for all types of infections. People have one going there with one sexually transmitted disease, and everybody looks like they get it because it looks like they do. Anyway, anyway. Uh, one, I read some story some time ago about a young woman who was taken into custody at the Wayne County Jail, and she talked about people were bleeding. She said one woman was there bleeding and who had had a period, and the woman had AIDS. She confessed that she was HIV positive, and she was in the same holding area as other people who were being held together, and people were screaming like they don't want to get this virus. So prisons are not uh, a, a, a healthy place to be. Uh, and it is built that way as a deterrent for others not to do stuff to go to jail. But in, people live their lives and they want to be free. You, you, you read these things on social media where I'm living my best life and you don't have a life. They like to tell you and I that because you and I walk the, the, the tightrope of freedom and liberty. So we're never caught up into something that would rob us of our freedom. Do you see what I mean? And people do that, right? And so here they are in jail, and they prison is, is, is not sanitary. 
And frankly, I don't know that you can necessarily blame anybody. It's the nature of the beast, sort of. Yeah? Prisons are not going to be sanitary. They're the last people anybody is going to think of. They're thinking of the free and the living first. Contact. It's passed on surfaces. Mouth to mouth. Air to air. You and I are in the same short space. And so they think of those people first before they focus on people in jail. They're like an afterthought. They're the last. They will only let them out if there's a war and they need them to go fight a war. I kid you not. But it also begs the question, which a lot of people have been fighting for a while and saying, why is it that asymptomatic people or people who display no symptoms and yet they can test positive? It, it, it speaks to maybe immune system, that maybe your immune system is stronger, which explains why in, in, in Georgia, they reopened the state two weeks, two Fridays ago, and within a week, the rates had spiked. In a 24-hour period, 2,000 people, additional cases were added to their number. And that is just going to continue because people are asymptomatic. And they just pass it on and on. They don't display any symptoms because they just don't. And that's the thing. It's kind of a dichotomy here with this virus. It's very, because you can't determine what it is and what it is not. Do you see what I mean? One minute they're telling us these are the symptoms to look out for. And then another minute, guess what? There are no symptoms. There are people with no symptoms. Like these folks in the jail. I mean, it, it's an alarming number, 75%. And that's just one jail. And that's just one jail in one parish in Louisiana. What if they were to do it? The Department of Corrections has not released their numbers. And the Federal Bureau of Prisons has not released its numbers. But you know something is afoot when they start releasing people and letting them out of jail. Now, all these people coming out of jail, they're coming back home to Pookie and them. They're go, going back home to Boomer and Tyrone and them, right? And they're also going home to Booba, right? And you, and you have to, my producer said I shouldn't have said that. And you have to think about when they get back home, what's going to happen? Exactly what is going to happen? Because they're going to go home. They're going to want to stop at the Dunkin' Donuts or the McDonald's, right? And they're taking that virus back home to people at home who have the virus. It looks like it's going to take us a while to get out of this. And you and I are going stir crazy in the meantime because we're like, can we just get out a little bit? <laughs> I mean, who went out yesterday and felt like you, you, you felt like you were released from confinement? Who? <laughs> Raise your hand if that's you. And everyone is silent in the penny section. Right? Because the rest of us are anxious to get things back to normal. I'm anxious to get things back to normal for many reasons. I have vested reasons for doing so, but I'm also very cautious. For instance, people are saying in some parts of the state, reopen schools. Well, you can do that in northern Michigan. We're not about to do that in southeast Michigan. So that works for you in northern and western Michigan. Have at it. Have fun. We're not about to do that in Southeast Michigan because I am not sick. I have a 17-year-old daughter who is due to go to college in a few weeks. I literally, right? She will be a freshman at Michigan State University, the school where her sister graduated from. 
in a few weeks. Now, do you think I have vested interest in her? You bet I do. Do you think that I want to expose her to any potential asymptomatic, symptomatic viruses that are out there? Heck to the no. As far as I'm concerned, she's done with high school. <laughs> it's over. They can get together on their own. They can get together by Zoom, FaceTime, or however else young folks communicate today. But I have vested interest in not wanting my child to go back to school. I think every parent should look at it from that point of view. It's, it's, it's a risky proposition. Not when people are being released from jail and going out into the community. And some of you will be saying, well, Harriet, it's hardly likely I will come in contact with an ex-con or somebody who comes out of jail. That's what I would have thought. Where do you live? You think you live far enough? Chances are you might go to the local store. You might go to a Target. You might go to a Meyer. You might go to any big box store that sells produce or sells food. Chances are that's where the community comes in contact. Do you see what I mean? Chances are you might go to a gas station. So you think, well, they're not driving all over the state. So I live 25 miles from the city. They're not coming out there. You would be surprised. They might touch someone who touches someone, who touches someone who lives next door to you, who works in a hospital, or who works at a big box store, and before you know it, it gets to you. That's why we have to watch this virus, because it creeps up, and it is so insidious in the way that it attaches itself to us as humans. And because of that, we have to be really, really careful. So it's not like I'm hanging around with people who just got out of jail. No, it's that they might touch someone who touched someone who touched someone who might just end up at my door. I bind it. It's not coming near me. And I think you should pray over yourself as well, right? But this is why, because there's so many people coming out of jail. And, and if you think about it, if the Department of Corrections is not releasing the numbers, that means it is alarming. Because it's an area that we don't really focus on. It doesn't make breaking news. It, 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 it barely does. And then they skip over it because most people think it's not relevant. I have learned about this virus that everything about this virus is relevant. Because we all have commonalities. We all touch. You, you remember some years ago they had a show about six degrees of separation? They're literally six feet between you and someone you know, right? Literally. So imagine then, in this scenario, it looks like it's one degree. I was reading a story on the Detroit News this morning, and as you know, the auto industry has been shellacked by this because people can't work in plants. Well, for good reason. People were dropping dead in the plant, right? And the auto industry is worried about uh, going back to work. But here's the deal. People are like, are you kidding me? My father died. My husband died. My brother died. My uncle died. So when you look at that, and that one guy said, there's literally, there's no such thing as social distancing of six feet. He said, sometimes people are two feet apart or four feet apart. So now I guess they have to figure out how do we get six people apart. Uh, let me tell you how this works. The, the mayor of Detroit, sometimes you have to give credit credit to do, right? He tends to be a far thinker, like he doesn't think about things today. So he said, all right, some city employees need to come back to work. So the people who do the parks, 
sanitation, maintenance. He said, yeah, you all need to come back to work. But before he did that, he set up testing. He said every city employee has to go get tested for COVID-19 and produce a health certificate saying that you are free before you can come back to work. So 400 people were told they could go back to work. You know, the people who work in the parks and recs, stuff like that, just sanitation, not everyday touch like the people who work in the, in, you know, in the administrative sections of the city. Guess what happened? 30 of those people who were asymptomatic tested positive. What if he had just said everybody go back to work? What if he had taken the, the, the position that, oh, we've shut the economy down enough, because that's the loud noise that you're hearing from a lot of people. Oh, we've shut the economy down. It's time for people to go back to work. What if he had just said, okay, everybody just go back? He said, before you come back, the mayor of Detroit, he said, before you come back, go get tested. When they went to get tested, 30 people showed up who tested positive. Imagine if those 30 people, y'all, had gone back to work you know what would happen? One person infects 40. So those 30 would be 40 times, just measure it, 40 times 30. That's, that's 1,200. 1,200 people, those 40 people would have affected, who would have in turn affected another 144,000. Do you see where I'm going with this? This is why this reopening so quickly is a bad, is a very bad idea. Bad idea, just bad idea, period. It's a bad idea on so many levels. Yesterday, I had to take one of my cars in because it needed brake fluid, right? My, my SUV needed brake fluid. It's been parked for a while, it's, you know, and it just sat there. So first of all, it needed to be charged. <laughs> the battery needed to be charged. So you have to call AAA and the whole drama on that, right? And then when they did charge it, all of a sudden it needed brake fluid. I'm like, babes, you've been parked. Like, come on. Well, when I went to AutoZone, the workers were wearing masks, but some of the, the patrons were not wearing masks. They didn't have gloves on. It kind of freaked me out a little bit because I was like, what? I guess I, I, guess I had to see that to believe it, to realize that going back out is a bad idea. It freaked me out. And then in all of them, they didn't have the six-feet thing earmarked like most other places did. So I was just like counting the paces between me and the next person, and they have a thing around the cashier, like a barrier, a plastic barrier around the cashier. And I'm like, you should have a whole enshrouded thing around the cashier, right? And it freaked me out. Totally freaked me out. I took it to the oil change place to to for them to attend to it, and the guy was wearing his mask and stuff. But the young man who was fixing my car, he's like, I'm not touching anything on my car. He didn't have on a mask either. And there I am, masked up and gloved up. Man, when I got home, I changed everything. Like, I took everything off and headed to the shower to make sure that it was all out of me. Are you seeing what I'm saying? It shook me to my core because I said to myself, how is this going to work? Nobody is observing this. I don't know if it's because it's new and we're still getting used to the idea of talking to people through masks and touching surfaces. I don't know, but we are not ready. And this is going to spike. We're going to get another spike. 
So I'm just saying to everybody, with all these folks coming out of jail and stuff, you all boost your immune system, okay? One person infects 40 persons. Now, look at this number. Now, of this prison in Louisiana, LCW in St. Gabriel, Louisiana, you, you, when you look at it, they're probably going to go through their numbers. And if anybody's up for parole, they're probably going to let them go first, right? Let them go early if, they've been, if they have been good and so on, right? If anybody who has less than a year or two on their sentence or less, you know, six years or something, anything under 10 years, they're probably going to commute those sentences and require, impose requirements for them to check in. Now, according to the CDC, one person infects 40. So you can well expect that in that area of St. Gabriel, Louisiana, it's a state prison, in that area of St. Gabriel and the surrounding areas, the numbers, the rates of infection are going to be spiked. And I won't get into the politics of them being a, a, a Republican state administered by Republicans who are probably going to quell the numbers and hide the numbers because they don't want it to look so bad because we're in an election season. If this had happened last year, it would have been clean cut. They would have just said it. But it's an election year. They don't want to look bad. So they're probably not going to tell us the truth. So when they do tell us some parts of it, you best believe that's the best part of it that they're going to tell you on any given day, whether it's an election year or not. But think about that. One person infects 40. That's an exponential number if 75% of 155 people, that's more than half, that's three quarters of the prison population have contracted it. It's not unusual because I saw the same thing in Wayne County, Michigan. I've seen the same thing in Columbus, in Columbus Ohio. It, it's going around and around. In fact, the Federal Bureau of Prisons is now saying, it looks like if you have really good lawyers and you went in on like on a felony drug charge or felony uh, under the RICO statute and you didn't uh, kill anybody, they might let you go. They're letting people go because people are at risk. And especially most people who go to prison, because if you've been in prison a while, chances are you're going to have, people are going to have some kind of underlying health condition because prison is what it is. It's not the real world. It's not the free world, right? So a lot of these folks are proving that they do have underlying health conditions, right? So if they have underlying health conditions, then they are at risk. And their family members are filing suit. I mean, just this morning I read where in in Wayne County, Michigan, uh, family members of inmates at the Wayne County Jail are filing suit on behalf of them for COVID-19 because they say the jail made them contract COVID-19. That's going to be something else. They're probably, Wayne County, Michigan, is probably going to be a prototype for how bad this virus was and how quickly it spread. And there is a direct correlation between poverty and this virus. What we're seeing is that people who are poor who have no access or reduced access to healthcare are most likely to contract this virus. So a lot of these folks who are coming out of jail, who are most likely going back to poor home homesteads and poor households, are likely to have family members who themselves might be asymptomatic and who might be susceptible based on lifestyle and based on adherence and just simply based on the fact that we are all breathing the same air 
and you don't have regular checkups as you should have. Poverty has a direct correlation to healthcare. And if poverty has a direct correlation to healthcare, then poverty has a direct correlation to crime, right? It's just that rich people have better lawyers, right? They, they can afford lawyers, so they pay for more lawyers to keep them out of jail. But they're just as bad. They break the law. They drive around smoking weed. They have sex with people they shouldn't have. I think you not. Rich people do a number of things. They steal money from the government. They steal from their employees, but they don't get caught because they have money to hide their actions, right? Conversely speaking, you're all looking at me and, and probably just like nodding your head because no one can see you, right? But poor people don't have those options. So poor people in desperation will go commit a crime and then get locked up and get locked up for a long time. While they're in jail, their rights are suspended. So you have no human rights while you're in jail, right? You're not a person with rights. So you are in jail. You don't, you, they don't have to send you health care. Once upon a time in Michigan, uh, people who went to jail could study and get degrees. They pulled that plug. I was shocked when I found that out because I've read so many stories of people going to jail and then turning their lives around by, you know, but then they pulled the plug on that. So nobody should want to go to jail or do anything to go to want to go to jail. Try your best, regardless of whether you're black or white. Avoid it with everything in you because you don't have any rights. And it's humiliating and it's frustrating, especially like yesterday we found out this man was innocent after 46 years. He kept his sanity. Jail does affect your mental health or going to jail, staying in jail, right? It's something I wouldn't want for anybody I'm related to or connected to. I kid you not. Some people, they deserve to go, a lot of them. But in this situation, I don't know. This, this one kind of pulls at me. You know, this one kind of makes me want to think about what can be done. It's up to the Department of Correction. They say, let me read what they say. This happened, uh, according to them, they said that they provided cloth masks and they sanitized the jail every day. Weren't you sanitizing it every day prior to? And that they provided inmates now with uh, soap additional soap and hand sanitizer. The problem is the breathing space. The problem is where everyone is congregating and breathing. The vents are the same. You know, one of the tests that I I read about the coronavirus is that when people go into hospitals, uh, the room that the person is in, they found droplets of the virus on the ventilation system, which means that the vent that circulates the air in the hospital is is, is, is challenged, right? And so pe- you still are going to get it. So that tells me it's the same thing in jail. This is why it's going to be very difficult for us to reopen office buildings because the vents are common. So somebody who is asymptomatic, you might have a firm. I know especially young people are hard charging or driving. I just want to get my stuff on, right? Yeah, good for you. But there might be somebody who has an underlying condition who could be in their 30s, who could be in their 40s or 50s or 60s, and are most likely to get the virus. Now, what happens to them? Right? Through the vent, because that is common air. The air is filtered, and it's all coming from the same source. Do you see what I mean? It's one of those 
those reasons and more why I think we need to take some time to consider that. I imagine that's what they're doing when they're thinking of reopening places like courts, for instance. You're going to bring a defendant in. The people who handle the defendants, transporting them from the jail, are they going to be wearing hazmat suits? Because think about it. Jails are are petted with with COVID-19. Then they come into the jail. They're going to touch places. You're going to give defendants gloves to wear, right? Then they wear all breathing the same air. So you walk into the courtroom, and the judge, the defendant, the sheriff's deputy, the attorneys, the prosecutors, everybody's sitting in there breathing the same air. Hello. Sounds to me like that's a problem, isn't it? Sounds to me like that's going to be a problem. I think we need to take our time. And based on what I saw yesterday, I think we need to take our time. I was shocked. I was gloved up and masked up. And there were still people who were not wearing masks. I'm not talking about being in your car and driving without wearing a mask. I'm talking about you are out interacting with the public and you're not wearing a mask. I think we need to revisit that, and I, and I think we're going to have some issues. I think there's some things that we probably need to wait on. I walked into one place yesterday, and the employees were not wearing a mask, and yet they said they were open to the public, and I actually had to walk in and stand. I said, you know what? I need to maintain the six-feet distance. I was doing it for me, and she was a receptionist. She was eating at the desk. And she was just like, and I said, I'm sorry, you're eating right here in front of the public, trying to kind of catch her attention that if you want to eat, you probably should move somewhere else. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's these little things. So, so people, I, I think what we're all tra- striving for is normalcy and the resumption of normal life the way we knew it. And in an attempt to do that, we are going right back to our old habits. And we're going to find later on that those old habits are likely to cause us a problem. Because those old habits are what led us to this virus, and it's not going to be helpful going through this. Yes, we might have flattened the curve. It's not spiking. The rates of death are not spiking, but the rates of death at the same time are, are, are decreasing. But the rates of infections are going up. We have gotten better at treating people. Now we know that if they come in for pneumonia or exhibiting symptoms, we need to put them on a ventilator. Sometimes I'm wondering if they clean those ventilators because it seems to me like as soon as a person gets intubated on a ventilator, they're dead. So I'm wondering, are those ventilators being cleaned? Are they being sanitized and deep cleaned? Or in the rush to put someone on a ventilator, you forgot that the previous person was on it and had died from it, Right? So while we're getting better at treating people so less people are dying, the rates of infection are still going up. The virus is not the kind that it's it's not just going to hide. It's going to be there, and it's going to keep spiking and spiking and spiking. And then come the fall, before early fall, we're just going to see it massive again. I don't know if we're going to like that at all. I think there are some opportunities here for improvement. And I think there are some opportunities here for us to perhaps revisit the way we imprison people. Maybe we need to put people in individual cells. I don't know. 
maybe we need to put up like a shield between them so they're not touching, even if they share the same cell. But do we have enough space? Do we want to build, to spend more money building more prisons? Some people say that we should spend money rehabilitating people. The truth of the matter is, are some people able to be rehabilitated? Do some people lend themselves to be rehabilitated? I don't think so. I used to think that some people just love being in, in, in prison because, like I said, it looks like a vacation from real life. I mean, you don't have to do anything. You kind of just go there. Yeah? You can get Netflix. Wow. Imagine that. You and I pay for Netflix. Hmm. They get Netflix. They watch TV. They have workout areas. Right? But this is something to think about. When these folks are released and sent back into the population and they come back out of jail having tested positive for COVID-19, they're exposing the rest of us. And, and we can say, well, I'm fine in my palace. They can't come near me. But the chances are they're going to touch someone who touches someone who touches someone till it gets to you. Unless you live in a complete bubble. I read that uh, some people like Martha Stewart, for instance, housed her chauffeur, her, her driver, her chauffeur, and her housekeeper. They could not leave her house. She told them, if you leave, you can't come back. What do you want? So they chose to stay with her. She provided everything, order everything online, order all the food to come in, right? But if you leave, you can't come back. So they chose to stay with her. That's what some people have resorted to do because... Once you go out, you, you transmit it. I've talked to some of my relatives who tell me they haven't been out of their house in three to four weeks. I'm like, darn, I, I, I couldn't stay in. <laughs> I did it for 10 days straight and almost went stir crazy. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, no. It, 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 I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> right? So I did the responsible thing. I closed up myself knowing that when I come back home, I strip myself off and shower. We all need to do that. Are we going to be able to do that when we go back into work? Especially those of us who work in in office buildings and so on. Are we going to be able to go back to work and do that? I don't think so. What are we going to do in, in the common areas? And how about us wanting to resume some aspects of our lives that we thought were normal, like stopping to get Starbucks on the way in? stopping to get a breakfast sandwich on the way in. You have to drop the kids off at daycare or some sort of caregiving before you go to work. And then you're going to go to work. And then you're going to mix with everybody. And after work, you're going to stop and get dinner at Boston Market or wherever people buy stuff or your local restaurant. And then you're going to pick up the baby, the children at the babysitter. Then you're going to go home. That's a lot of contact in one day talking about re-engaging the economy, we're re-engaging the virus and causing it to spread. Now we're sending people home from prison who have tested positive, who are going to go out into the community and go home to their families with the virus. And the rest of us are just sitting ducks. Even for those of us who have tried to alienate ourselves and isolate ourselves away from this, even those of us who try to maintain higher advanced standards of hygiene. Even for those of us, it still is problematic. 
tomorrow night we're going to have uh, group therapy. I invite you to come. Just say how you feel. Get it all out. It's uncensored. If you don't want to do it on Twitter, go on my YouTube page. Create some kind of fake profile so people don't know it's you. Just say how you feel. And talk to us. Just get it all out there. Because I feel like everybody needs a place. I'm going to make it private. So you have to send an invitation to join. So, you know, people don't just come here and look into people and stuff like that. Because some of us have a lot going on. You're living with a spouse whom you thought you were going to get divorced from. But you still have to live with them through COVID-19. Your ex had to move back in. I know you realize that's why they were your ex in the first place. Because everybody had to, you know, uh, pull their resources. You have to go back to live with with relatives and parents because you couldn't sustain yourself because your job obliterated, like literally disappeared. What's that going to look like? It's now 33 million people without jobs. You notice they're not talking about it much because we're so shocked and desensitized. Over 60,000 people have died from this virus in nine weeks. And yet, in nine years of the Vietnam War, we lost 58,000 people. This is something for us to think about. So to the policymakers and to those, I got to go, time is up. Uh, To the policymakers and to those who think that it's time to re-engage, I urge you to consider re-engagement of this virus. And on the basis of how many more lives are going to be lost, because we are in a rush to re-engage the economy. My name is Harriet Kimmick. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been another edition of Down to Earth. Go to my website, HarrietKimmick.com, as well as visit my podcast pages on the following platforms, Apple Podcast, Apple Podcast Google, as well as Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Breaker, Podcorn, and a variety and plethora of other podcast platforms. Make sure that you continue to support us through your givings, go to the exodusfoundation.com, thereby you find a space for you to make a donation to what we do. I thank you so much. This is a listener-supported podcast. I enjoy your presence as well as your faithful financial giving. I wish you the best. Have a terrific Tuesday. I know I'm wearing pink, and it's Wear Pink Wednesday tomorrow, but just today, I chose to wear pink. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. Bye. Hey, y'all. Bye. See you tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.